So good to be here. Oh. My name is Rock Mutegeki. Let's do a challenge today. <laughs> Who can pronounce my Mutegeki name? So smartly, it's so African. One, two, three, let's try it. Mutegeki. I think I need a catcher because <laughs> I landed like at a half past, is it a half past one from Hawaii and I, I missed one of the flights. So as I was rushing to catch the next flight, so I would be here in the morning, someone was making an announcement and my, my third name is Kiriga. So, so this guy was like, passenger, Kiri Yaga, you're missing out. And I'm like, is that me? <laughs> so <laughs> somehow I, I, I caught the flight and I'm here. Um, if you see me slain, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's because I'm half asleep and half awake. <laughs> but somehow I'm glad to be in this beautiful awesome church. Greetings from Africa, Uganda, uh, specifically East Africa. I'm a married man, married to a lady, uh, <laughs> one lady precisely, beautiful lady. Her name is Deborah Asimwe. God has blessed us with three wonderful kids. One girl who is 16. Uh, our second born is a boy. He's 13. And the last one is Nine. More still coming. Don't mind. Keep us in your prayer. Uh, God has, has really been good to us. I want to thank Pastor Clay and Tawana for giving me this opportunity to stand before the saints of God. Let's clap hands for our pastors. I know they are watching pastors and, and for supporting us, for supporting the missions. It's really incredible. We are not just called to be a church in a locality. A local church is part of a universal church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church of Jesus Christ. And when we give beyond our borders, when we give beyond our boundaries, we harness, we receive that blessing. Amen. So good. And in a very special way, I want to honor my brother and sister, my friends, very, very good close friends. The big, biggest reason why I'm here, John and Jennifer Eagles. Let's clap hands for them. I, I, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm blessed to be part of a growing global movement. It's called C3 Church Global. That began 40 years ago in Sydney, Australia. And by the grace of God, I happen to sit on the board of C3 Church Global, so, which, is, which is really great. Um, last week, we were in Hawaii, and we had two sessions. We had our global meetings, but we also had a session with 1,000-plus churches, churches that are beyond 1,000. And, and we were sharing and speaking in that, 
across the world. Now, this is a big, big movement, big corporation, and high-level people God has given me the grace to talk to. But as part of my story this morning, John and Jennifer have been incredible. They are not way up there, but they have a heart for Jesus. They have a heart for the nations. They've been selfless. They've been loving. And one of the things I've learned from them is that you don't have to be big to create a big impact. You can make a difference as you are. God knows you. God knows your story. And this is real, gentlemen and ladies. For the last six years, we've been partnering with them. And we've seen entire communities transformed. Entire communities. Families changed. Hope restored. Churches planted and built. So on my end, I train pastors. I coach them. I release them. And on their end, they raise the finances and we make this happen. Thank you, John and Jennifer. Now, we are on series called Stories. Stories. And I'm sure your pastors landed that. I'm going to speak about the same thing in the next few minutes. But what I'm going to talk about is make a difference. Make a difference. Each one of us has a story. And each story is peculiar in its own way. As a man from Africa and as a preacher who travels a lot, you could think I have a very big dramatic story. One time we were in a conference and they asked each one of us to share the story of their ministry and their life. I have a friend called David Livingstone. He oversees over 67 churches. He stood fast and he gave his story. He was abducted by rebels and he became a child soldier. He lost some of his fingers and as he spoke, everyone was amazed. And then they said, Pastor Rock from Uganda, come and tell us your story. I'm like, I don't have a dramatic story like that. So where do I begin? Because really I'm a church boy. I'm a Sunday school kid. And I got saved by following my mom to church. My mom is a preacher. I'm a PK. And my story is really different from many people's stories. But I also grew in this denominational setup, holy holiness thing where everyone would come to the front and say, when I was in the world, I did this and did this and this, this, till he rescued me. Now, I realized that as part of my story, I did not have all that kind of dark side outside the church. My dark side was within the church. So you remember those days when people would say, when I was in Egypt, I did this, and now I'm in Canaan, I'm like this. But I was lost in church, and this is part of my story. As a kid, some of the things people were testifying to doing in the world, I was doing in the church. But I was not given a platform to speak. You know when someone says, I did this when I was there, and you just did it when you're here, uh, you're confused. So, 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 
I don't know whether I have some teenagers, some young people who are connecting to me, even as I speak right now. <laughs> that you have an untold story on the inside. That, that other people can come and shout about their stories. But then there is something on the inside you can't shout about, but it's real and that was me. And a time came as a young man, I was confused, coming to church every day, listening to the sermons, but still struggling in my heart. I am here on the clean side, but on the inside, there is a battle. There's something going on. So I wanted to make a decision. I said I will either be in or I will be out. My mom is a preacher. I went to my mom, beautiful woman, I love her. I said, mom, I'm confused. Mom said, son, what's wrong? I said, everyone comes and stands in the church and they confess their sins and they say, he saved me from this, he saved me from this. And I told my mom, I said, I think the blood of Jesus is not sufficient enough to save me. It's saving them, not me. I'm in the house, but I'm lost. And I said, they are all righteous. I think I'm still the sinner here. So I'm out. My mom said, son, the blood of Jesus is as sufficient to you as it is to them. I said, but why is it that they stand up and speak what I can't connect to? And my mom told me, she said, the difference between you and them is they are liars. That's my mom. And she said, they are just like you. She said, the struggle is real. She said, you're born again. Raise up. Put on your dancing shoes. You will be better. And here I am. So my mom found me. My story was different from other people's stories. They were lost outside there. I was lost inside here. And I needed someone to find me. And maybe you may be here in this house. And whatever we speak and whatever we preach doesn't connect to you. But on the inside, you have something you can't speak. This morning, Jesus has come to find you. He knows you. He connects to you. He comes where you are. And he's able to rewrite your story starting this moment. Let's give him a mighty hand of praise. So great. If you could turn with me to Exodus chapter number 2. And we start reading from verse 11. I won't take long. It's a wonderful story of Moses in the Bible that I connect to. Moses is a very, very interesting character. Even before we read. The mother gave birth to Moses at a turbulent time. All Hebrew babies were supposed to die. But the mom decided to keep Moses because he never, she never wanted to lose her baby. Just like all moms, I realize dads can easily let go. But don't joke with a woman, especially if you're talking about their baby. <laughs> so Moses' mom is like, my baby is going nowhere. I will keep this one. So somehow she managed to keep the baby for three months. That's the farthest she could push. Three months she pushed it. 
She kept Moses. But you know, a time comes even if you're trying to push and hold things together when you have to let go. That is the way of life. In life, we try always to hold things together by might, by power, by our strength, by our wisdom. But sometimes the game becomes rough and we have to let go. Moses' mom let go three months, made a basket, and asked Moses' sister to take the baby. Take the baby to the shores of the Nile. But stand there and watch. Can you imagine this woman letting go of your three months old baby? But you're letting go as if you don't want to let go. You're done. Your might is done. Your strength is done. And now you're releasing this baby. But listen to me. In her heart... As she was letting go of baby Moses, she had trust. She had faith. That is the only reason she told Moses' sister to hang around. I am done, but hang around. I am done, but hang around. My strength is depleted, but hang around. Hang around. Something may happen. Stay there. Don't just go. And Moses' sister is carrying the baby, baby Moses, in this little basket and placing the baby at the shore of the river Nile and she hanged around waiting on what God is able to do. Many times... When our strength is depleted, when our resources are depleted, when our might can't work anymore, we just let go, but we don't hang around. Living in Africa in a place of massive need. And I've had this incredible opportunity to share rooms with high-class people, with great men and women across the world. For the last, the first day in Hawaii, I was with Pastor Phil. I was with Mike Kai of Inspire Church. It's amazing people sharing a table and a room with world-class people. And then I go back home and I look at the need that is around me. Where do I start? Where do I begin? And sometimes the resources are meager. I can only go this far. But I have learned this. That when I trust God with my two fish. And five loaves of bread. He's able to multiply that and do miracles. My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above. What I ever think or even imagine. And Three Oaks Church, if there is one thing I can tell you, if there is one thing this guy from Africa can tell you, is God is able. Praise the living God. Our God is able. We had a pastoring opportunity 
in a beautiful city called Auckland in New Zealand. And this was a great church. Our friends were trying to pass it over to myself and Deborah. It was so beautiful, a nice opportunity for me and the kids. Little bit of change of status. And then we sat on the table with my wife and the kids and debated around this. It's time to get rescued from Africa and live somewhere and have a good life. But our story is connected to our purpose. And we said, are we going to choose our comfort over our purpose? Together with the kids, we said, no. We are in this together. We are here to make a difference. We can change a village. We can plant a church. Praise the living God. We can feed a community. We will be ambassadors. We will be the voice for the voiceless. We will speak for the orphans. We will release them. We will stand with them. And we said, we are going nowhere. This is our place. We will make a difference. But in this journey, sometimes we are limited. And when we are limited, we learn to let go. Let go into the hands of God. We learn to trust him. And we see him making a difference in our lives. Verse 11, Exodus chapter 2. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled to the face, from the face of the Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Story of Moses is interesting. Moses is released by his mom, and he ends up in a palace, raised as a prince of Egypt. It's a great opportunity for him. Now, he has two identities. On the inside, he's a Hebrew. But on the outside, he's being raised as a prince of Egypt. It's very easy for him to slip into this outside identity because it appeals. It is very, it's very easy for you to just live a life that you've been immersed in by circumstances which are not of your choice, and you choose to continue with your story like that. Life can place you into things that determine your identity. Moses did not choose to be an Egyptian, but somehow life drew him to the corner and he ended up living like an Egyptian. But on the inside, there was always that call. You are a Hebrew. You're not like them. 
regardless of the good things and the sweetness that surrounded him, the treasures and the pleasures of the Egyptian life on the inside, you are not like them. You are a Levite. You are called of God. So because of this, he felt a desire of being connected. Someone say connect. So what he did was always going to his people to connect. And that would be my number one point to everyone here. As you move on with your life in your story, God wants you connected. The world will disconnect you. God wants you to connect yourself. Plug in. He went back to his people. And he would connect. When we connect, we find God. When we find God, we find life. When we connect, we find family. We find community. Praise the Lord. Be connected. Plug in. Be connected. And when you're connected, make sure you grow. Now Moses was connected. And as he's trying to grow in his connection... He serves. He starts serving his people. But because it's the Colonel Moses, he has not yet grown. He serves in his own way. He kills an Egyptian. When he's trying to save his own person. And that brings a backfire. After connecting, you need to start serving. When you connect to a local church like this one, Three Oaks, don't stop there, serve. Don't wait for a calling. Don't wait for a title. Serve. Amen. Be part of a team. Many people come to me and say, Pastor, what is my calling? I tell them, find need, meet the need. Where is the need? I say, look in the house, in the community. It's there. Plug in. Moses started serving. But as he continued to serve, because he needed to grow, the questions came. Do you want to become leader over us? Who made you leader over us? Do you want to kill us like you killed him? Do you know what that calls for? When you're serving, you need to plug into a vision. You need to be part of a team where you are accountable. Amen? Such that the question, who sent you? Who made you? Who released you? Is answered. And at the end of it all, as I conclude, if you continue with the story of Moses, you see him at a level of influence. Now he receives a call. Mountain Sinai. And God now releases him. And he gives him influence. You will go to the Pharaoh. And you will tell him, let my people go. But it's a story that starts with connecting, serving, growing, and then finding influence. The problem with us, we want to begin at influence. We want to start at let my people go. Let my people go. <laughs> I have the calling. I am the boss. And you know, it backfires. It's like Moses killing the Egyptian and thinking he can deliver people by his own strength. But this is how life begins. If you can get this from me, connect. Connect to church. Connect to God. Connect to family. And when you are in church, connect to a team. 
Serve. Do what is available. And in that, grow. Because growth is a process. We grow as we serve. When we connect, we find God, we find community. When we serve, we find purpose. Are you understanding me? And then when we lead, we find influence. God has called each one of us to be influencers. God has called each one of us to make a difference. God has called each one of us to do something influential. But where does it begin? Connect. Life might have disconnected you. I want you today to plug in. Are you understanding me? Can we bow our heads? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you today because you've made me to stand before influencers. Influencers of nations. Influencers of teams. Influencers of families. Influencers of communities. I'm asking you today, Lord, someone will plug in. Someone will be connected. Someone will be drawn closer to you. This is the day that you've made for us to rejoice and be glad in it. This is a day that you've made for us to start finding our first step as we get closer to you, as you rewrite our stories. Thank you, Jesus. Can we all give it up for Pastor Rock? <laughs> Incredible story. I could have kept on listening to you for quite a while. It's the power of a story. The power of a story. There's an old song. Uh, uh, I know I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> the words, Lyndall Cooley. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a song. Some's a little bit different, how we all went wrong. It says, then a Savior came. He took the blame and he changed everything. So thankful for our stories this morning. Me and uh, Pastor Rock, we're tag teaming a little bit this morning. And uh, I'll just leave it with this. But he's talking about Egypt. He's talking about the Pharaoh. And the power of your story, the reason why Israel went into bondage is because if you read a little bit earlier, it says they forgot the God of Joseph. Somebody stopped telling the stories. Somebody stopped telling the stories of how God delivered Israel by blessing Egypt and how he used Joseph to bring deliverance to a whole nation. The power of a story, your story is powerful. There were, um, I'll give you this one really quick. It's in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'll give you a quick synopsis. Jonathan and his armor bearer, you know, all of Israel, they've, they've been constantly fighting with the Philistines. They're still fighting with the Philistines. And uh, it's a time of war. Jonathan has a bright idea. He's getting a little antsy. And he needs to go do something. He gets his armor bearer. And he, him and his armor bearer, they sneak out. And they see a garrison of Philistines. A garrison is about 600, 600 soldiers. 
The garrison of Philistines, they're up on a hill surrounded by sharp rocks. Jonathan and his armor bearer are down on the low ground. If you know anything about battle, they are at a disadvantage. You never want to give up the high ground. If you're down low, you're at a disadvantage. So this is how bright these two boys are. It's, it's really a funny story. Jonathan, he talks to his armor bearer, a.k.a. his equipment manager. It's the bat boy. And he says, listen, he says, we're going to go out into the open field. And if the Philistines see us, and if they call us up to them, we'll know that God has delivered them into our hands. They go out, middle of the field. They make a scene. They're waving their hands. They're like, hey, over here. Philistines call them up. They say, okay, God has delivered these Philistines into our hands. They end up slaying all 600. The news of this story gets out, and the rest of the Israelites start getting bold. I think it was Billy Graham. He said, when a man or woman stands courageous, it stiffens the spines of people around them. There were Israelites that were hiding in caves because they were afraid of the Philistines. There were Israelites that were dressed as Philistines. And when they heard the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, it says they ripped off the Philistine garb and they ran as fast as they could to join the front, the front lines of Israel. Your story will cause other people to make a stand, whereas they wouldn't have done it w without that. I'll give you a couple stories. Um, I remember reading reading this, the, the, the story of Jesus and the centurion where he, says, where, where he says, speak the word only. Jesus, he, he prays for a man, never touches him, uh, prays for his servant, never lays hands on him. They get healed. Later on, you read Peter. Peter's walking through the streets. People pull the sick out so that Peter's shadow might just touch them, that they might be healed. My grandfather, he read that story, and he encountered a blind person he said, you know what? I'm not even going to touch you. I'm going to walk past you. And when my shadow touches you, you're going to be healed. It happened. I remember hearing those stories. And uh, me and my cousins, we were doing ministry. Somebody called up. He said, uh, I'm in need of a double knee replacement. It was a little Spanish lady, I remember. I could barely understand her. What did we do? We sent the word, prayed over the phone. A month later, I'm in a service little Spanish lady comes busting in through the side door, jumping, twirling, dancing. It's the same lady. God healed both of her knees instantly. It's the power of a story. Your story has the power to change lives. Uh, the, the, this is the scripture. It's, it's a little obscure. But the scripture says this. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's obscure. How, how, how does that make sense? The, the testimony of Jesus is the, spirit of, is the spirit of prophecy. The story of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The story of Jesus, what he did for one person is prophecy to you that if he did it for one, that he'll do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. I quoted that earlier. So all the testimonies of healing that you hear it's a witness, it's a prophecy that healing is at your doorstep. When you talk about the instances where you should be locked up in a mental institution, but you encountered a God that set you free, 
It's a testimony to somebody else that they don't have to suffer under the tyranny of depression, like what Hope was talking about earlier. I guarantee you that Hope had somebody that spoke into her life that told her their testimony of deliverance, and it inspired hope. Hope arises inside of hope. She believes that God is able to do what he did for one, and he ends up doing it for her. So your testimony of what Jesus has done for you is prophecy to your neighbor that he will do it for them. And he'll also do it for you again because he's the God of breakthrough. So if we could all just stand together as a family. We're running a little bit early this morning. But all heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in need of a breakthrough this morning, can I just see your hand? I'm not going to call you to the front. Just right where you are, we're going to pray for you right where you are. I'm in need of a breakthrough. See those hands? We already, we already quoted it earlier that the promises of God, they are yes and amen. They are yes, and let's get it done. So, Lord, I thank you. You see the need. You see the need. You hear the cries of your people, Father God. You hear the, you, you, you hear the cries of your people for deliverance, for healing. Lord, Scripture says that your, your, your ear is not heavy that you do not hear us and that your arm is not short that you cannot help us. And so I thank you that you are working on their behalf even right now. Lord, we speak to healing, uh, uh, physical healing. I thank you that it's beginning to manifest even right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for financial breakthroughs. Lord, that opportunities are coming by. Lord, that you have given us the power to create wealth out of Deuteronomy, Father God. Lord, I thank you for a spirit of generosity in the name of Jesus. To fear, anxiety, uh, uh, depression, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I release the joy of the Lord over your life. In his presence is fullness of joy. I release the presence of Jesus into your life. In his presence, in his presence, here's a key. You, you, you're struggling with depression? Get in his presence. You're struggling with fear? Get in his presence. Whatever your struggle is, if it, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, get in his presence. In his presence is fullness of of joy in his presence is full I, I really feel an emphasis on that this morning in his presence is fullness of joy so Lord I release your joy I release your joy over their lives even now even at this moment some of you are feeling anxiety and depression roll off of your shoulders even now you're physically even feeling lighter so Lord we release it in the name of Jesus we release it. <laughs> Lord, I speak to Lord, I, I thank you. Let faith arise in the atmosphere, faith for the impossible, faith to believe that you've done it in the past and that you'll do it again. You're no respecter of persons for what you did for my neighbor. I know you'll do for me. What you did in the Bible, it's not over. You're still doing it. I mentioned it not that long ago that some people are teaching that healing and all that stuff stopped with the apostles. Well, you've come too late to convince me because my experience trumps your theology. He still does it. He still does it. Can I see a wave of your hand and you make some noise if God has delivered you out of some mess before? If he's healed you, if he's delivered you, 
I can tell you so many little things. I remember hearing stories that he did this, and when I was 11 years old, I needed surgery because I had really bad acid reflux. Well, what does Jesus care about acid reflux? It was a big deal to me. I'm 11 years old, supposed to go in for surgery. My mom held my hands at the front door, and she said, do you believe Jesus can heal you? We've seen him do all these things on the fields of Africa. You've seen him use your daddy to heal people here in America. And I said, yes, Mom. Well, I call her Mommy. I said, yes, Mommy, I believe he can do it. She prayed for me. Next day, went in. Everything was closed up. I didn't need surgery. He cares about the small things. He cares about the small things. <laughs> if he takes care of the sparrows, why wouldn't he take even much more care of you and me? So we thank him for what he's doing and what he's still going to do. So let's just pray this together as a family. Um, Sorry, y'all bear with me. It's been a minute since I've been behind the pulpit. So (laughs) I appreciate your grace with me. Let's just all heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just pray this as a family. Jesus, I thank you. Um, I believe that you died for me. Best of all, you got up for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins, and I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen.